What's good? Welcome to the Fro and the Flow, presented by Burbs Entertainment. I'm your host, Ralph Compiano, and I'm joined by one of the smartest minds in all of basketball, the Ime Udoka of the Burbs Entertainment regime, Ben Masterson. We're going to talk about the Bucks and Celtics today, and also the Warriors and Grizzlies, now that those games are over, and we are into round two of the playoffs. First of all, how fucking pumped are you to be in the Eastern and Western Conference semifinals? This feels like where it really starts to get realer and realer. Yeah, man. Um, The first, I was kind of hoping for some game sevens. We had, what, three potential chances for that. And so I was kind of bummed that none of those worked out and we didn't get, you know, to see any really dramatic finishes or anything like that. But, God, I'm so excited. We're getting further into the playoffs. I mean, and you can see even with the games today, the, the talent level just locking in. Players are starting to find their groove. Like, it's just better basketball. It is better basketball. It definitely is better basketball. But at the same time, it's worse basketball because game one, they're still figuring out these teams again, whereas once you're three or four games into a series, you kind of know what's (laughs) going to come at you. Coaches make the majority of their adjustments after game one. So I guess that's what I want to talk about first is obviously the Celtics lose today to the Bucs. I believe the final score is 101-89. And the Celtics played like shit. They looked terrible. Um, Defensively, they weren't as imposing as they were in that Brooklyn series. And offensively, the ball wasn't pinging around like it was in the Brooklyn series. It kind of felt like they reverted back to their tendencies of the first half of this season in the last couple of years. But are there any simple fixes for them to make going into game two where they're still going to be going against a Bucks team without Middleton? Maybe Grayson Allen makes less shots, whatever it might be. But, I mean, Giannis didn't have his best game today. He was 9 of 25 no. from the field. So, I mean, I, I don't want to say that they're hopeless after one game, right? But, like, what adjustments can they make to ensure that they remain the favorites throughout the rest of the series? It's tough because a lot of the shots they were getting and their half-court work wasn't looking really bad. Like, they were getting good right. opportunities. They were – they were utilizing the pick and roll really well. I thought they got a lot of opportunities around the basket. They just couldn't finish. <clears throat> Both Tatum and Brown had really difficult games. It didn't look like they were really in their groove at all. Um, and you can credit the Bucks' defense for that. But there are a lot of open looks that they both had from three and from two that they just weren't hitting. I mean, I can't believe they shot 53s and only made 18 of them. Like, right. at some point you think you just hit your groove because they were so wide open at times. The Bucks were just – they were overpowering down low and that's kind of what they were sticking to. So I expect to see some adjustments to maybe get some easier looks, but I think there's going to be better shooting nights, right? 18 for 50 from three. That's just not going to happen every single night. And maybe that's part of the issue is that, you know, isn't that they only made 18 of those 50, which is 36%. That's not terrible, but it's the fact that they took 53s. (laughs) Like you have Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and um, Jason Tatum took at least nine threes. Like, that's not the best sign for, you know, you got Jalen and Jason, they're your best scorers. You're going to rely on them to not just make shots from the perimeter, but to actually get to the basket. And interior for Milwaukee is, like, really disciplined. Like, Brooke Lopez, Giannis, their arms are always up. They're not, like, reaching down or hacking or anything like that. They're really good at contesting shots at the rim without fouling and making it difficult for Boston. So, in a way, Boston's kind of getting a taste of their own medicine here where it's, like, in the Brooklyn series, KD, I mean, we saw him take, you know, 15 to 20 mid-range jumpers every game. He wasn't able to get to the rim a lot because he would run into Horford, 
um, Robert Williams, even um, Tice, somebody like that, where it's like those are big bodies. It tires you throughout the series. But, you know, Boston has young lakes. We're going to expect Jalen and Jason to start getting to the rack more and challenging these guys at the rim. Um, Giannis, uh, 9 of 25 today, not his best shooting game but still able to be the best player on the floor, and it wasn't particularly <laughs> close. Did yeah. he remind you of LeBron today? Because I was getting some lebron vibes out of him today where, you know, he ended up with 12 assists. He was mm. getting rid of the ball fast. He was kind of in control of everything on that end of the floor. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but that's a great way to put it, in that it wasn't his best shooting night, and he's not the best shooter, you know, regardless. But it was the plays he was making just as a smart – savvy basketball player like the passes he were making he had that one pass that he was like kind of trapped below uh the hoop and he just swung it right, right out the basket. To the top. Yeah, yeah yeah and it was such an impressive play and not many people in this game are, are making that sort of pass or that sort of play where it's just he's the difference right and it's you can game plan all you want but you just have someone that's so dominant and so good and <clears throat> like you can't you can't neutralize it, even when he has this bad of a game. Like, what did he shoot? Nine for 24 is what you said? Nine for uh-huh. 25. Yeah. So, I mean, and even so, it just didn't matter. I mean, he was as dominant as he was last postseason. Well, that's the evolution of him that's been so impressive is he keeps getting better. And, you know, instead of relying – like, when he would run into the wall in the past, yeah. Yeah. the infamous wall that everybody builds to try and keep it from the hoop, he thought that the natural response and the appropriate response would be, okay, I'm going to shoot threes. I'm going to shoot five to mm-hmm. six to seven threes per game. And instead what he's doing now is he's making them collapse on him. They're building that wall, and then he's countering by finding – and this is a credit to the Milwaukee Bucks organization for building it this way, but he's finding Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, Wesley Matthews, right. who even shot decent the last couple of games, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez. Nobody's touching the floor – Bobby Portis, even nobody's touching the floor that can't shoot. It's like yeah. Giannis is the only minus three point shooter, and he's still like not even that bad anymore. And at the same time, he is able to get to this uh, mid range pull up that is just yeah. deadly now. And it's well, just and like it looks mechanical, but it's so him. fluid too. Right, right. And if he he had that turnaround, I think late in the third or early fourth quarter, yep. where he stopped, had that nice like it looked like Dirk like if he can get that Mm -hmm. down consistently and that can be like part of his arsenal it's just so hard to stop him like even when you do hold him to a bad shooting night he's still going to get those looks and if he gets more confidence with that and he gets more practice with that it's just so deadly yeah he's he's becoming just an all-around polished player where it used to be okay this guy is Shaq and now he's kind of going into his LeBron bag somebody said on Twitter today if last year was his um him paying homage to Kareem this year. He's paying homage to Oscar Robertson, yeah. some former Bucks greats, Lou Alcindor rather than Kareem. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, going into game two, I would anticipate that Boston, I don't think they adjust the game plan too much defensively because I think they actually did a good job on Giannis where they have bodies to throw at him. You can throw Horford at him. Williams, Tatum can take some reps. Yep. Jalen can take reps. Grant Williams can come in and take reps. But it's going to be about like what you said. They're getting open looks. If you go back and watch that game, Horford's getting open threes. Grant Williams is getting open threes. It's just about can you make 24 of the 50 rather than 18 because then you win the game. Yeah. I also thought – I thought another big difference for the Bucs was that Drew, like at times he looked like the second-best player, 
And if Giannis mm-hmm. was off the court, he looked like the best player at times. Like he had stresses where he was doing mm-hmm. it on both ends. He was dominating. He was pacing the game. It was kind of like everyone was playing at his speed. And it was something that that needs to be neutralized more too. Because like, yeah, if you lose Middleton, that's a big disadvantage. But if you have Drew stepping up and being that second best player, and then you have shooters around them that can just, like you said, I mean, it, it, it makes it difficult to hone in on Giannis if you have people around him that can shoot and that can make Boston pay for being so aggressive on Giannis, then it doesn't really matter that Middleton's out. I mean, obviously it hurts, but you neutralize it. Drew Holiday is contagious. Defensively, there were instances where they would trap a corner or something like that, or they even trap on the top of the key. Like it was a two for one situation. And Bobby Porter was getting his, Bobby Portis was getting his hands on the ball. Grayson Allen, Pat Conson, all these guys have active hands. Whereas with Boston, that's been their recipe all year, having active hands, being yep. more intense defensively than their opponent is. But now they're kind of looking into a mirror and being like, oh, we're actually playing against a team that gives just as much of a shit on defense as we do. Where in the first round, they're playing Brooklyn, and obviously Brooklyn is going to favor one side of the court. I don't think I need to say which one, but you know, you run into Milwaukee and it's like, oh, fuck. Um, Brooke Lopez is standing underneath the basket. Giannis is trailing mm-hmm. behind me if I'm going on a pick and roll. And, you know, there's just it's, – it's a little bit scarier than going against Andre Drummond and Bruce Brown. Well, and even even if Brooklyn wanted to give half a shit on the defensive end, they don't they're have the personnel talented. to do it. Yeah, yeah, they're not as talented. I mean, even players like Javon Carter. Javon Carter had the yes. highest plus minus of the game tonight. He had plus 25. Did he really? Oh, yeah. my God, that's awesome. I love Javon Carter. Yep, the West Virginia great. I mean, it was he was all over the court. He was making the plays, especially defensively. Like, it's just like that. Like, your rotational pieces can play defense. They can do the things you need them to do. Where, like, mm. I love Patty Mills, but Patty Mills is not – he's a liability on defense, right? And that's the difference between the yeah. Nets <laughs> and, and the Bucks is that there's players you can exploit and players you target versus no one really on the Bucks is someone you can game plan for. And, okay, we're just going to attack him and, and, and see what we can get and make them adjust. So I picked Boston to win the series in seven um, ahead of this game. And I think I'm going to stick with that outcome, just knowing that Middleton's still out and knowing that this is hopefully the worst game we see from Jason. I'm yeah. not as high on Jason as everybody else's. I'm curious where you stand. I hear like a bunch of people trying to put him in this top five conversation. I don't think he's there quite yet. Um, obviously, he can be really brilliant offensively. And then defensively, he's, I think, probably one of the 15 to 16 best defenders in the league, considering his size, his athleticism, his know-how, all of that kind of stuff. But there's just still one missing integral piece to his offensive game that I can't quite put my finger on i'm not sure what it is i don't know if it's playmaking ball handling separation and shot creation all that kind of stuff which on paper and when you watch the highlights it seems like he has but i feel like there's still something holding him back am i crazy or is that like i know that's like it doesn't sound that irrational to say that after this performance but i've just kind of always felt that way about him whether it's just like he doesn't like this version of kevin of jason tatum doesn't remind me of like 2012 kevin durant if that makes sense no, I, I agree with this. And this is kind of the, not necessarily the gripe, but this is something that I've noted with him too, is there's times in the game where he doesn't necessarily go invisible. Like you still know he's on the court. He's still getting his touches. He's sure. still getting the shots up, but it's so, it just looks stale. It looks stagnant. It looks like he goes stretches where he's content being, or he, he has to be like the third or fourth best player on the court, as opposed to mm-hmm. some guy that can 
come in and just dominate the game from start to finish or some guy that makes his presence known from start to finish. He always has a stretch where it's like, I don't know, it looks like he's just not there all the way. So I agree with that completely. I can't put a finger on it, but I agree. No, that makes sense because, you know, we we're holding him in this regard where like we want him to be the next KD, be the next Kobe, yeah. be the next elite premier scoring wing that can lock up your best player and also give you 30 to 40 on any given night. And I don't know if it's by way of Boston's offense and the kind of Spurs system that they've adopted since Udoka became the coach, but you're right. There are instances where he's on the court. And I'm curious, like, if you felt that way about Kawhi, like when he was the premier guy, the most like focused guy on the Spurs, because I never felt that way. It always felt like he was in control of the game or Jason. It doesn't feel like he's always in control of not just what's, they're doing offensively but like what's happening to him in the offense where it's like sometimes I just want my best player to just go and get the fucking ball and just be like I got this shit well and the the series that I always go back to when I'm thinking about Kawhi in that form is remember the uh the Spurs Grizzlies series it was when David Fisdale did the take that for data shit which is Mm. the coolest presser ever but yeah (laughs) that series it was such a tight series throughout and it was like I can't remember what the seeding were, but Memphis was the lower seed, and it looked like they every single time they were making a run, or every single time it looked like they were like they shot a dagger, or they did something that looked like oh the shit, like this is where it's turning. It was going down the court. You could Kawhi's always making a play, offensively or defensively. Mm-hmm. He's always keeping you in the game. He's like, all right, give me the ball. I'm gonna score. Put me on the best guy. I'm getting the steal. I'm getting mm-hmm. the charge. I'm doing something that changes this game and keeps us in it. And that's not something I feel like oh, they got Tatum, they're fine, you know, or, oh, he's going to make a play this next stretch and, and they're going to stay in the game because of him. All right, let's move on to – well, actually, let me ask. Um, Milwaukee or Boston, who do you have in the series? How many games? I got uh, – sorry, I got Milwaukee in seven. Okay, so we're the same amount of games, different outcome of the game. Seven. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to uh, Golden State and Memphis. Um, I mean, we're so lucky, dude. Like, yeah. that Milwaukee-Boston game, I know the outcome was only 12 was twelve points, but it didn't feel like that. It felt closely contested the whole way. I know Milwaukee felt in control, but it felt like Boston had a run in them. Those are some of the best games that you can watch. But this Golden State-Memphis game, this is going to be one of the most fun series we've had in a long time. Um, John Morant, I want to start with him just because, you know, he misses the game-winning shot. He has the opportunity going left. Great play by uh, Taylor Jenkins. Great defense by Clay Thompson there at the end. After he missed two free throws, he responds well. But Ja, um, I'm curious where you stand. I don't want to start with Draymond. Everybody's gonna start with Draymond. I don't even yeah. know if I want to talk about that. It was fucking That's whatever. Yeah, it was dumb. But you know, Ja ends up with 34, nine, and ten. He ends up with three steals. He only has three turnovers. He's 14 of 31 from the field, which isn't great. Still 45 percent. Four of 11 from three. Um, two of three from the line but I still feel like I want more. Am I being greedy or is that like, and I'm not sure if I want more defensively because I feel like he's maybe one of the only players in the league who gives less of a shit on defense in yeah. the postseason oh than God. he does in the regular season, which is weird. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Am I being like, am I being too hard on the guy? I mean, he went for 34, nine and 10 tonight. It's tough because I think that that's just become the expectation, but I also do think there's times where it does seems like it does seem like he's giving less of a shit, right? Than than you would right. imagine. And um, 
I don't necessarily know where that comes from, like, because I'm not questioning his competitive nature, his competitive spirit at all, but it does seem like just for someone that kind of prides himself on being that hard-nosed guy and mm -hmm. being that spark plug, he's just not always there. And he lets himself get beat, and he, I don't know, it's just, maybe this is just an experience. Maybe this is his postseason, his first postseason, and he's not, I don't know, like, appreciating the moment, maybe as someone who's as seasoned and as, as, someone that knows how important like every single game is, you know, like it kind of just feels like, <clears throat> I don't know, at, like there's times when, when this Memphis team is showing that like ignorance is bliss and sometimes like, <laughs> being that bad team or, or being that inexperienced young team, being a number two seed, like whatever, they can come back, they can do this. The moment doesn't seem too big, but it also seems like at times it feels like a regular season game for them. Like you mentioned, like, I don't know. It's just not always there hundred percent of the time. And sometimes it lets them fall into a little bit of a hole like we saw in the first series. It, they, they show their youth. I, uh, yes. I tweeted out today. Um, this series reminds me of when you go to an AAU tournament and there's the really it. fundamentally gifted white team and, you know, they're drilling like 25 threes and they look unstoppable and they run the same motion offense over and over and over again. And it, they just go until it works. Like they're really patient. They'll run flex cuts. They'll run double screens and they won't force a shot. They'll wait till they get an open one. Obviously, there's a 24 second shot clock here, but you get the point. Yeah. And then they're going against Memphis, who is the black team from Atlanta that is pressing the entire game one three one they're trapping every single pass it seems like they have seven guys on the court instead of five and they're just it's i mean i've gone against those teams i couldn't tell you how many times in my life and it is fucking it's a heart attack every time you're trying to get yep. the ball up the floor but then once you finally do get the ball up the floor it's three on one and so yeah. it's right. about like actually getting it through that like front part of the press and then getting the easy layups and the easy corner threes out of it so I think that it also speaks volumes where it's like there was um, a moment tonight when uh, D'Anthony Melton hit a three on the left wing, and this was like in the middle of the Jaron Jackson experience where he was just yeah. fucking exploding. Yeah. And Melton hits this three, and Jackson fist pumped so hard, <laughs> and there was like seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, and I think yeah. it didn't even put them up. I think it might tied the game or something like that. But, like, if Golden State hits that shot, it's like, all right, get back on defense. But yeah. it seemed like Jaron Jackson – it felt like they, they had won the game on that shot. That's yeah. how Jaron Jackson responded. And there wasn't a timeout. It was, like, literally, like, no, Golden going. State started bringing the ball to the floor. Yeah, <laughs> no, like, he looked kind of frantic right. trying to find his guy when he was getting back. It's okay to get excited, man, but it's just, like, get back on defense, find your crazy. guy, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, no, this series is going to be so fun, man. Like, they're, they're two totally different teams. Um, and I guess, like, that kind of speaks volumes where, like, their two leading scorers today, Jordan Poole and John Morant. Ja gets 34 points on 31 shots. Jordan Poole gets 31 points on 20 shots. Yeah. And because he's drilling these threes, and he doesn't have the ball in his hands near as much as Ja does, doesn't have the usage percentage and whatnot. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really curious, like, where you think, like, Jordan Poole can actually – like, can he – he he went crazy in the last round, but can he beat the yep. best fucking basketball player in this series? Like it feels like it's possible. Yeah, the way he played today. I mean, he came off the bench, he provided a spark, and he was the difference, absolutely. Um, and I think when we're talking about like the best player in a series, sometimes it does come down to that X factor where we know what Seth's gonna mm -hmm. do and we know what Clay's gonna do, and we know what Draymond's gonna do. But someone like Jordan Poole, he drops 31. And he's someone that's just consistent, right? He's not a streaky 31. He was playing really solid the entire game. 
Yes, yes. He was actively better than Steph today. So here are their lines yeah. just for comparison's sake. They both took 20 shots. Steph made eight of those 20. Poole made 12 of those 20. Steph took 12 threes. Jordan Poole took 10 threes. They both made five. Okay. Steph took four free throws. He made three. He would always make four of them. Poole took two. He made them both. All right. Now we go into rebounds. Steph had three rebounds. Jordan Poole had eight. Steph had four assists. Jordan Poole had nine. Steph had one block. Jordan Poole had two blocks. Jordan Poole did turn the ball over four times. Steph only turned it over once. And they ended up with 31 points and 24 points. Now, I know that Steph gets more attention defensively than Jordan Poole does because of the status that he's reached, because he's the greatest basketball shooter of all time. No debate. Not even close. I don't care if Jordan Poole shot 0.1% higher from the free throw line this year than Steph did. If there's a technical free throw, it's going to Steph. Yeah. All right. But – with that being said, Jordan Poole was actively better today. He was plus 10. Steph was minus 9 today. Steph yep. was the only minus player for the Warriors other than Kaminga in his 15 minutes and Kavon Looney because he's fucking Kavon Looney. <laughs> Everybody else was positive, right? Or they were flat. They were zero. I think right. Wiggins and Clay here, yeah, they were both um, yeah. even on the plus minus. But still, Jordan Poole was the best basketball player on the floor today despite coming off the bench. He still played 37 minutes. He played more. Yeah. He played seven more minutes than Clay and three more minutes than Wiggins. Like this, like we're witnessing an ascension right now. That is like, yeah, this is real. This is this isn't fake at all. Like he showed one most improved player. He's playing in the fucking G League last year, and now he's the best player in a round two playoff series. Well, that's the thing. I mean, he played more minutes even though he didn't start because you can't take him off the court. Um, not only does exactly. he get things going when he has the ball in his hands, but he's like Steph in that. He is so good at moving off the ball. Like, he's so slippery. He knows mm-hmm. how to play. He's learned the game super well. This is where it shows where, like, being drafted and being developed in a good location can do for you because he wouldn't be able to do this when he was drafted or his first year in the league. Um, but now you see he's just so smart. Like, he can play so well. He's a two-way player where, you know, you can put him out on defense. He's not going to kill you. And <clears throat> I don't know. Like, he's – this is what makes him the best player in the series because obviously you're playing Steph. Obviously you're playing clay. Obviously those guys are getting their shots, but <clears throat> he's becoming someone that's undeniable. And the Grizzlies already are kind of spread thin with how they're having to guard the Warriors. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about Jaron Jackson really quick. We just, we just highlighted Jordan Poole, but Jaron Jackson today, he's a guy who I've been really critical of. Yeah. Me too. Um, sometimes I just don't see it, man. I just don't. In that Minnesota series, I was really frustrated with him. You know, he was fouling out in 22 minutes, all this kind of stuff. But when he does play 30 to 31 minutes, you see what he can give you. And, yep. I mean, 30, 33 and 10 today, 6 of 9 from 3, 10 of 18 from the field, giving you the left-handed baby hook all day because the Warriors are small, 7 of 9 from the line, had a block, 6 offensive rebounds. I mean, he is special. Like, There's no doubt that he's a really talented basketball player. It's just about okay. He's probably not going to go six of nine from three again. That was that was. I mean, I'm not going to say an anomaly because he is a talented and good shooter. He has that funky jump shot where he shoots from his chest despite being like six foot ten. But at the same time, it's like, how much can we get from him on a game to game basis? Because they are smaller. He's not going to be going against Nas Reed and Carl Anthony Towns and having to guard these big guys. He's probably going to be going against Draymond, Looney, Kaminga, something like that, right? So it's up to him to what I what I liked the most from him wasn't just the the three point barrage that he went on, it was the fact that he was getting in the paint 
and just going yeah. left-handed baby hook after left-handed baby hook, which he prefers more than his right hand, apparently. According, I think Jeff Van Gundy said he was like, he likes his left. He likes his <laughs> left. And he kept going to his left and he kept yeah. getting it up. And it was money. So I don't know. Where do you think Jaron can actually fall in this series as far as like the totem pole of who is the best player? If we have Jordan Poole and John ja Steph on one tier, or maybe Ja below that tier, even is is Jaron on the same tier as Ja? Because I think in the last series, Desmond Bain was the best player in that series. Yeah. Maybe him yeah, and, and, and something and, like that, right? Well, and they were putting a lot of attention on Bain today, too. Like they yeah, he was part tons. of the game plan, clearly. So Jaron Jackson is so important in this series because there's such a mismatch where his size and his strength, like he should be able to dominate more than he did in a series like against Minnesota where they do have those bona fide mm. big guys that can stay with him. Um, I think right. this is really where it hurts that you don't have Wiseman. Like I think Wiseman would be crucial for yep. this series if you could have him. Obviously you don't. So Jaron Jackson needs to have games like this where, yeah, you don't have to shoot six from nine, six of nine from three, but you need to be making those winning plays. You need to be getting your team's second chance opportunities. You need to be the enforcer on defense too. Like if you're going to be the biggest guy on the court, even on a small ball lineup, you've got to play like it. Right. And I mean, it's just, it's going to be the role players from Memphis. Like obviously yep. Ja was great today or really good. At least Jaron was great today, but I mean, Desmond Bain three for 10 Dylan Brooks three for 13 is Dylan Brooks going to show up in these playoffs, Ben. I fucking, I cannot stand the way that he plays basketball right now. His yeah. jump shot is so ugly. It it's looks bad. so it's funky. Bad. Yeah. I almost texted all that today too. Cause there was a, point in the fourth quarter where he just had a disgusting look where he just pulled up early in the shot clock and it was the mm -hmm. ugliest looking like as soon as it left his hands it was like nope that's not going in like right. there are certain players and there are certain moments where you could tell the shot's just not going in and every single time dylan brooks released it more often than not i was like <laughs> this this shit's not going in there's no way and he, he played 30 minutes today it's like give d anthony melton those minutes like he was right. balling like, right. come on, he's five, eight, three for six from three. And, you know, Brandon Clark has been a revelation in these first two rounds. Oh like, God. that's a guy who should be getting – Xavier Tillman played 13 minutes today. I would yeah. eradicate all of those and spread he them out bet. across Jaron and Clark if I could. Like, I would just yeah. give it to those two guys. Well, even, um, if, you play, even yeah. if you play Kyle Anderson, right? You play Brandon Clark, oh. Clark you take out – or you take out – um brooks and put in kyle anderson who knows his role he plays super well he's super consistent he's someone we've talked about at the beginning of the playoffs uh, like he he's holds someone, my heart yeah, yeah he's someone you can oh, just yeah. substitute in and he knows how to play basketball he knows how to make those plays and he's not going to just jack up the ugliest looking shots you've ever seen it should have been an and one towards the beginning of the game that should have yep. been an and one just because yep. it takes him longer to get to it doesn't mean that it's not continuation. I don't care. It took him like an extra two seconds to get into that and one flip He's shot. Methodical. Versus like, yeah, methodical is a good word for slow. Is that, um, all right, cool. Is there a series where you can play Steven Adams? It's supposed to so, if you um, run into Phoenix. Right. Are you really able to play him? I mean, obviously, this isn't going to be the series, right? He's just going to get ran off the floor with Draymond. I mean, maybe to counter the Looney minutes, if I guess, anything. But Looney's not someone I'm really worried about. Worried you know, about. You, throw, yeah, yeah, right. you, you want the advantage against Looney, not, yeah, not a counter for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that they may, may have even missed – like, I love Zaire Williams. I wish that he would get mm -hmm. some juice in this series. But he was um, a DMP because of a, an injury, it looked like, or an illness. But he was on the bench, just wasn't wearing any um, – yeah, using street clothes. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know like what adjustments they can make. I would personally eradicate the Tillman minutes 
and go small yeah. and be like, listen, like we can go small too. Let's fucking do it. We'll play Jaron at the five. I think that their best lineup would be um, you have Bain, Ja, Melton, yep. and then Jaron, and then pick your take your pick of Brandon Clark, Kyle Anderson, or Dylan Brooks, depending on who's rolling. That's what yeah. I would roll with. I would even think about sprinkling in Tyus Jones in there because he's proven that he can be a valuable contributor. He made a huge shot today, that three yeah. at the top of the key. Tyus always seems to make huge shots. Hashtag Duke in the NBA. What's good? Um, real quick before we get out of here, I started a 2K um, franchise last night with the Spurs. I decided Love that, it. you know, I'm going to commit to an 82-game season, and I, I wanted, I've never done it. Um, I think I've done 58 games before once, but I want to see if I can do 82 games. So I did some trading. I did some mixing and matching and all this kind of stuff. And I don't want to break your heart right off the rip, but, you know, this is like your guy for my guy. Um, I gave up DeJounte to go and get Brandon Ingram. Um, so we're building that. around B.I. I don't hate that. Uh, you don't get it? I mean, I, did no, you see B.I. in the no, first no, no, round? No, 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 I said I don't hate that. Okay, okay. I get I'm, it. I mean, I'm unbelievable with them 2K. I'm, I'm an easy – I'm playing like 10-minute quarters – I'm doing the whole thing. I, I can't do 12. I'm doing 10. Um, sip You're stats and all, in. but it's going to be intense. Oh, I'm so it. in. Um, but I got Tyus and Trey Jones. They're my two point guards. Big. So they go 28 and 20 minutes. Um, so they kind right of split there. it down the middle. Um, I got Sadiq Bay. Sacrificed oh some picks from, for him. Went up and got him. So I love my this starting team. lineup's actually like – I think I got Herb Jones in the BI deal. I don't I know. I did it pretty team. late last night. I have to go back. I'll send you a picture of the rotation. But, yeah, it's pretty lethal. Um, Larry Nance Jr. got him in the Pels deal. These um, are all Spurs so yeah, guys. That's the team. reason I'm not mad that you traded DeJounte right. for B.I. Because it's Spurs guy for Spurs guy. Exactly. Yeah, B.I., like, he is a Spurs guy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up there at some point in his career Love if the it. Pelicans oh thing God. doesn't go – if it goes south. I don't um, but, all right, thank you guys for tapping in. Where I'd be, I'd get season tickets. If we had B.I., oh, my God. <laughs> I'd fucking – I'd figure out a way. You'd I'd move? so much money. I'd figure it out. That'd be amazing. I've been thinking about that. If they won that series, it was like, what's what's preventing me from moving to New Orleans? You know, like Just I love my it. job, yeah. but like I feel like I could do it remote. Like you know, you can figure it out. Be you first. could zoom into your classes. We we yeah. could just go down there, get an apartment, leave the girlfriends behind, and just oh you know God. be Nola boys for a little bit. Just spend a year. Just yeah. Diving in. Just one Nola year of bis Zion, the whole deal. Yeah. Oh my God, Herb Jones, beautiful. <laughs> all right thank you guys for tapping with the front of the flow we'll be back um wednesday morning talking about um game two of these series and then game one of phoenix and dallas and miami and philly no Embiid, so that should be exciting um so hopefully we'll have ben back for that we will see you guys wednesday morning peace out all right, all right.